most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? Wouldn't you agree? I got five dollars. This is a run to the left. How many tackles can one man break? <laughs> You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. Ooh, my goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The bats, relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Flex Podcast. This is your AFC North edition. I'm your host, Chris Raybon, joined as always by my dude, Sean Kerner. Sean, what is up? What is up? I mean, I, I feel like we're starting to get into football mode. NBA is almost over. Uh, so no more uh, AFC Atlantic or whatever you call it, AFC Central. Um, <laughs> AFC. Next week. No, that wasn't an NBA. That wasn't an NBA gap. That was just a. That was this, just me being old enough to remember yeah. when there was an AFC Central. Like, <laughs> oh, so today, yeah. So next week it'll be the AFC North, but today it's the AFC Central. Uh, but really excited about this conference. Uh, there's a lot of volatility here, so I'm glad we're discussing it in mid June. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously. We're going to talk uh, the Browns, Deshaun Watson, um, you know, Pittsburgh with a rookie quarterback. Let's start with the most consistent team, though. Like, actually, no. Before we start that, we got we got some business to take care of. Uh, Talked to you guys last week about uh, rating and reviewing the podcast. Uh, if you leave a rating and a five star review, we'll call it out. Uh, we'll choose a, a winner for a free action pro sub for a year. So uh, be sure to leave those Apple podcast reviews. And this week's winner is Matthew on a Sunday. That's a pretty, pretty cool name. Yeah. Uh, so Matthew on a Sunday, congratulations. You've won a free year of action, uh, action network pro sub hit up podcasts at actionnetwork.com to claim your free one year sub that's podcasts at actionnetwork.com for Matthew on a Sunday. All right. Now, now, let's get in to what I think is the easiest team to project <laughs> and rank. Yeah. Also the best, yeah. the Cincinnati Bengals. So what are your thoughts on where to draft Joe Burrow? He's going as QB6. Do you think that's about right or too high, too low? Uh, I mean, it's probably too high uh, just in terms of just how the position is shaping up. I mean, I'm not going to blame anybody for drafting Joe Burrow QB six, but I think the best way to invest in Burrow and the Bengals offense is to draft, you know, guys like Joe Mixon, T Higgins, Jamar Chase. Um, I'm still, you know, standing firm on just drafting Jalen Hurts a little bit later because uh, he has QB one overall upside. But I mean, the sky's the limit for Joe Burrow entering year three. He has the best trio of wide receivers in the league. And, you know, they improved the offensive line a ton. Um, so he's only going to get better. Uh, last season, he was coming off an ACL injury. So we might see a little bit more of his, you know, hidden rushing upside, I think, this year. So, well, I love Joe Burrow. Like QB6 is probably just a little bit too high just in terms of how my draft strategy is unfolding. But, uh, I mean, he does have top three upside. There, this offense is going to be no joke this year. So um, he probably won't be drafted by me, but I, I can't fault anybody for drafting him here. Yeah, I think in best ball, especially, I, I want good exposure to Burrow. Um, First stacks, yeah, for sure. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And just because, I mean, you look at some of the performances and, 
you know, obviously when we're projecting, we're like, okay, this is probably an outlier. He had three 400 plus yard uh, passing performances last year, but especially from a best ball perspective, it's like, okay, like you want that kind of <laughs> upside in your, in your lineup. So he's a quarterback that I'm going to go a little harder on in best ball where I'm not as concerned about, you know, waiting. I know, you know, I have kind of different roster construction. I'm not, yeah. I don't care about waiting on a quarterback as much uh, because I agree. I, I think Burroughs ranked about right in terms of quarterbacks. It's mm-hmm. just, it's kind of like with those are with that frozen ponder running backs. This is, I really don't want to be taking a quarterback this high when I could get yeah. Brady hurts, uh, you know, later on in the draft. Exactly. So, yeah. Uh, that, I mean, his stretch at the end of the season, he was like literally the best quarterback in the league. I mean, look at week 16 and 17. Like you said, he, he has an upside you do want in best ball. So I know people don't really like drafting pocket passers anymore, but he has that kind of upside where uh, he's definitely worth, you know, potentially a top five pick at QB. Yeah, I think he's ranked pretty much exactly right. Like yep. he has the potential to be overall QB one if he conti- goes on what he did last season, yep. but he doesn't run. So he also has the potential to be like the QB 10, 11. If all the running quarterbacks stay healthy and, you know, have good years and, and Brady's still Brady. So, um, you know, the upside is through the roof, but there's, there's just a lot of good quarterbacks um, up there too. All right. Jamar Chase, wide receiver four on Fantasy Pros half PPR. I mean, I mean, after Cooper Cup, you can make an argument. Chase could be the wide receiver two, just given what we've seen in terms of what he did in year one. And then the leaps that, you know, wide receivers, especially the, the good ones tend to make from year one to year two. like. The sky's the limit for uh, for Chase here. Yeah, I mean, you could even make an argument uh, to draft him ahead of Cooper Cup. I, I probably won't do that, but what's that argument? Just I'd like to hear that. Well, just I mean, he, <laughs> he's a generational talent. Uh, he was already really good in year one. So with their improved offensive line, you know, he already has chemistry with Burrow. So I, I mean, the sky's the limit for him, like you said. So. Uh, I'll probably still take, like I said, I'll probably still take Cooper Cup above him. But after that, yeah, it's Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase. I, I don't know who's drafting Devontae Adams ahead of Jamar Chase right now. That's not me. Um, so I have him as my wide receiver three. But really, those top three receivers are so close heading in the season that, that that's why I'm saying you can make an argument. But yeah, I mean, it, it, this time last year, heading into the season, we we're talking about like, you know, the, the white stripe on the ball. He was having difficulty. That's long gone. So I, I think that. You know, Jamar Chase heading in the season, the sky's the limit, uh, especially in this offense. Just, you know, he has massive, massive upside. So I love I love attacking wide receiver early. So I'm going to have a lot of Jamar Chase in my builds here. Yeah, I mean, no, and I agree with you about like, I don't. The thing is, I don't think he should be taken over cup, but I think right. he can absolutely finish over yes. cup. And that's why I say, like, really, it's wide receiver too. like the only thing separating cup from Chase is that. Cup has done it. Like Cup has done 145 catches for yeah. 1,947 yards. Jamar Chase has that upside. He has the. He's good enough to get 191 targets. Like it's just he hasn't done it yet. It was the only reason I would take yep. Cup over him. Uh, T Higgins. I mean, T Higgins wide receiver 12. Like at first glance, it seems a little bit high given just how good Jamar Chase is and how mm-hmm. you know much production we expect from him but then i think back to like first of all he improved on you know his year one numbers and in, in, in year two but i think back to like the super bowl and that playoff run and just you know like he's he's damn good too so i mean what do you, like wide receiver 12 what do you think of that of that oh, adp 
you don't have to convince me that T Higgins is good. I mean, I was like the b- biggest T Higgins stand last year in the second half and DraftKings had him stuck on 5,400. It seemed for like five weeks, but yeah, you're right. Jamar Chase is, you know, the alpha in this offense, but T Higgins is not far behind. I mean, it's almost impossible for defenses to really cover both guys. So yeah, while wide receiver 12, like a lot of the value is starting to go away at that range. I still think he's a top 10 wide receiver. Um, he has that kind of upside. So the market has finally, you know, caught up. So I'm not saying he's a huge value at wide receiver 12, but I'm always going to be raking T Higgins just a bit higher. So he's inside my top 10. Uh, love, you know, he's right before the, there's this massive wide receiver two tier. I like to get him right before that tier, but yeah, a lot of the value is gone. The market is caught up, but at the end of last season, I mean, he was on fire and I expect that to continue uh, this season. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. Like when you say the value is gone, you just mean like, he's not, just, he's probably not going to outkick his ADP, yeah. but like he's no, still very valuable because he probably is also not going to finish like substantially lower either. Yeah, exactly. Like, no, I'm saying like DraftKings is kind of pricing him as a low end wide receiver too in the second half of last year when he was clearly, you know, wide receiver 12 at that time. So I'm just saying the market has caught up. There isn't that much of a delta between my rank and his. But like I said, I'm always going to be a little bit higher in Higgins. Uh, Just, I mean, he is kind of overshadowed a bit by Jamar Jamar Chase, but like they're so close that you're getting uh, Higgins at a discount. He's, He's, you know, a way of investing in Joe Burrow as well. When you look at the wide receivers that come after him, because we talk about tiers here, and uh, Fantasy Pro's half PPR ADP, Higgins is going wide receiver 12. Uh, you know, it's Yahoo, Fantrax, FFC, and, and Sleeper are the four sites they're using a consensus from. And now, the wide receivers going right after him, Jalen Waddle, Deontay Johnson, E.K. Metcalf, Michael Pittman, Terry McLaurin, DJ Moore, Amari Cooper, Chris Godwin, and Michael Thomas. Yep. Like all those guys have question marks. Like yeah. he really doesn't have question mark, right? You, well, maybe Pittman doesn't have too much of a question mark, but like all those other guys have question marks and whether it's the quarterback, whether it's, you know, a new situation, you know, it, it, there's, you know, there's just questions for each of those guys to where you could almost all of those guys I named, you could see them maybe with a lower, like more likely to, below their ADP than above, like then finish above it. So I think Higgins is still a really a nice get here at the Absolutely. At and the end of that wide receiver one tier. Yeah. All those guys you mentioned, I have pretty much ranked the exact same. Like my projected points is the same for uh wide receiver 13 to like 24. <laughs> yeah. But uh Higgins is about 15 to 20 points ahead of them. So that's why tiers are huge to talk about. So after Higgins, I would say after Higgins, Keenan Allen, Mike Evans, they're the end of the wide receiver one tier. And then you just have, you know, 12 to 14 receivers projected around the same. So that's why I love getting at least one of those, you know, Higgins, Allen, Evans before the tier drop off. What about Tyler Boyd? You know, 51 is his ADP wide receiver 51. Interestingly enough, and I don't think I noticed this. I guess it was because he didn't miss games but he finishes wide receiver 32. So like, and that's just, that, that's just a testament to Joe Burrow as well. But his fantasy production in terms of the points per game has been dropping for three straight years now. Um, so I'm, is 51 too low or is that right? Considering, you know, what we kind of saw down the stretch, he just seemed to be a little bit phased out as Chasen and Higgins continue to take off. Yeah, exactly. Like, especially in the playoffs. I mean, his production really dropped off the cliff. Uh, he was still running, you know, over 90% routes run a game, uh, but his target rate 
dropped off because they were using Mexamore in the passing game. Um, and they were just leaning on Higgins and Chase a ton. So he's the kind of guy where if you kind of need a high floor, you've been kind of rolling a dice on a bunch of wide receivers and you kind of need a more stable option. Sure, take him. But in that range, you know, the wide receiver 50 range, I'm usually uh, taking more chances to like uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. I Like Alan Lazard is going right, right around the same time as Boyd. I will take Lazard, you know, 80% of the time over Boyd. But yeah, certainly Boyd is the cheapest way to sort of invest in this offense. But you got to be careful because his, his production has been dropping off. He's not a big, you know, touchdown guy. So he does have a limited ceiling. Um, so again, it depends on what kind of team you have at the point at this point in the draft. Um, but certainly he's a good high floor option. Yeah. Full PPR also probably bumps yeah. up a little more, yep. um, but he was 32 and half PPR. So um, yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't mind him there a little bit concerning the way he dropped off down a stretch. But I think if you're a believer that Burrow's a top six quarterback, yeah. then getting his third option at, at, you know, wide receiver 51 at that point in the draft, I think, is a decent option because for the most part, Chase and Higgins stayed healthy last year. I know Higgins missed I think a, game, a couple of games, but um, yeah, he would, he would jump up considerably if, if either of those guys missed any time. Uh, and the tight end, Hayden Hurst. Tight end 32. I feel like he could beat that. I, you know, Uzoma was like the tight end 19, uh, overall 21 in points per game. I think that's a fair expectation for Hayden Hurst. I mean, he's probably a better receiver than anyone they had last year, Uzoma included. Oh, absolutely. And I, I love him here. Uh, obviously, this isn't, you know, a recommendation for your home league where everyone's drafting one tight end. Uh, but in, certainly in best ball, tight end premium, like Scott Fishbowl, uh, tight end 32 is a steal. I mean, he he finished as the tight end 38 back camp Kyle Pitts last year, um, and he's essentially going to be replacing CJ Ozoma. So, you know, re, he's not going to have, you know, consistent tight end two production every week, but he's certainly going to give you spike weeks, similar to what we saw at Uzoma last year. And, you know, you could argue he's a better talent. Hurst was a first-round talent. Uzoma was fifth round. Uh, Uzoma was just you know, basically banking on Joe Burrow, benefiting from Joe Burrow. So, yeah, I think Hayden Hurst has, you know, high-end tight end two potential. So getting him at tight end 32 is just a massive steal, in my opinion. Now, the one thing, um, I'm curious, like, where do you see his routes run compared to Uzoma? Because the one thing about Hayden Hurst is this dude does not, like, he's not a, he's not a very good blocker. Um, so I, I, I do worry a little bit that, like, it's not a one-for-one one replacement. I, I, I think Drew Sample may actually get more snaps. Like, do, like how do you like? Do you think Hurst is more of a, a pass game specialist, or do you think he he gets like all of the Uzoma snaps? I think he gets most of the Uzoma snaps. And Sample's, you know, a really good blocker. He's a blocking tight end, so I don't think he's going to really eat into the you know the routes run. Uh, so I have Hurst, you know, projected between 65 and 70% routes run is just an initial mm-hmm. uh, projection. How about you? Because I think if he gets that rate, that's good enough in this offense. I would go a little lower um, just to be conservative, yeah. like in a 55, yeah. 60, just because I don't like, I don't think we like, I don't I just don't know. I just don't think we can like guarantee that he's going to get the, the use on snaps. But I, I do think, you know, like you said, he's not like, you know, um, sample is not really going to take catches and stuff away from him, but like if if samples lining up as let's say the sole tight end on like a lot some first down plays and, and some early down plays that still does affect routes run like a little yeah. bit so yeah i think i think he's he's a good fit and i think he beats his adp 
but I, I do think he comes in with a lower um, snap count than Uzoma last year. Yeah, that's true. And I think, you know, it's something to, to monitor, but like, you know, the, the offensive line is going to be much, much better this year. So if, if Hayden Hurst, he's not a great blocker, probably won't impact <laughs> things as much as it would last year. So I, I think that might help Hurst upside. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm only projecting like three catches a game and he still comes in as my tight end uh, 23 just because his, his touchdown upside does go up in this offense. Yeah, you heard it here. Sexy. Tight end 23 for a tight end 32. Ooh, yeah. That is, I mean, that's value. That's, value. That's, <laughs> value is value. sexy. Depending I mean, I just hope, you, you know, we just got to worry about Samaj P. Ryan stealing underneath targets <laughs> from Boyd and, and Hayden. He, I, I'm blaming him for my T. Higgins <laughs> was 50 to 1. Oh, Super Bowl my MVP. God. Yeah, I had a ticket too. It's all. We both had tickets. A lot Samaje, of people in the company did. Samaj P. Ryan's fault. It's still it his is. fault. Like, what was he doing in the game? <laughs> like, what? Yeah, it's uh, Zach right. Taylor's fault, actually. Yeah, but. yeah. Yeah, it's not Samaj P. Ryan's fault. He's not <laughs> yeah, as good as Joe Mixon. Yeah. <laughs> it's not his fault. <laughs> oh, the irony. Joe Mixon backed him up in college. How crazy is that? That is, Oh, well, Bill, there you go. Uh, yeah, and Mixon, that brings us to Mixon. He's going as the RB7, um, in the, usually in the 7 to 9 range, top 10 running back, essentially. I think that's fair. I, I mean, I think he's going to get a lot of snaps and a good offense. I mean, is there really anything else to say? Well, I, yeah, I think there is because I think typically Joe Mixon is the RB11. I'm like, nah, he, he's, you know, projected about right. But I think he's, you know, top seven mm-hmm. uh, running back, especially with all the volatility. You know, you could argue outside of the top two uh, running back. So uh, with this, you know, improved offensive line um, and just Mixon, you know, he's a true workhorse back. At the end of last season, they were really getting him involved in the passing game. I don't know if that's going to spill over in the beginning of the season. Maybe that was just, you know, they were in must-win games and in the playoffs, but uh, he's, you know, rare true horse workhorse back right now. And he scored 13 touchdowns last season. I, you know, he's going to regress a bit, but in this offense, you know, he's 10 plus touchdown upside, uh, you know, rushing touchdown. So I love getting Joe Mixon at running back 11. I just think he's clearly a top five uh, upside back. So um, normally I'm just, yeah, whatever. But this year I am actively targeting him at running back 11. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess, I, I guess I had nothing to say, cause I just always target mix and everything. Oh, okay. like, I'm just like, I, I, he just never really has those like made, like you just kind of know what you're getting. Like Zach Terry just loves to use this guy. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, you kind of know what you're getting unless it's like key moments of the Super Bowl. That's like the only time where it's like, okay, now, now, now he might vanish. But, um, if he like, this regular season, they're going to run him into the ground. And like you said, Ted Karras, Alex Kappa, boosting that interior uh, line. Collins. Both of those guys were plus run blockers in terms of PFF grades. And just, you know, just watching them, those guys, they can get it done on the inside. Um, so it's, it's going to be night and day difference just in terms of the interior line. I think Cincinnati now has probably like four good linemen, you know, and maybe, yep. you know, we'll see how I think if Jackson Carmen might, you know, is, might start at left guard that he wasn't good last year, but he's still young. He could get better. Um, he, he's going into year two, but yeah, yeah they're going to have a good line. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're going to have a good line this year. And so Mixon, he's turning 26 this year. Right. So I think yeah. he has one more elite season. Maybe next year is when he maybe starts to decline a bit, but he's certainly still in his prime. Absolutely. Yeah. He had a career high, uh, 1,519 scrimmage yards last year. Uh, okay. Um, anybody, uh, this is not really much of a sleeper bust kind of team, but anybody you want to put in those categories? <laughs> yeah, that's what I, I was going to say. Well, for the sleeper, let's just go with Hayden Hurst. 
Um, everybody else is sort of being drafted around where they should. Um, but Hayden Hurst, I, I just think has the most value because I'm, I'm projecting mm-hmm. him, like I said, you know, high twenties, uh, at tight end and he's, you can get him outside of the top 30. So he's my sleeper yeah. and the bust is really no one. Yeah. Uh, everyone, every, you should target everybody in this offense. Uh, maybe Joe Burrow might, like we were talking about just in terms of draft strategy, maybe he's the, the hardest one to get squeezed value out of. But when you're investing in anybody else, you're sort of investing in Joe Burrow anyway. So for bust, I'm going to say no one. Joe Burrow, I mean, I would, I would be highly surprised if Joe Burrow busted. Like, he's no, just, there's no way. He's just yeah, too good. Like. There's no way he can bust. I'm just saying, <laughs> yeah. which one of these guys would you not I, want? I can't. Cause I, I mean, you would think maybe <laughs> maybe Tyra Boyd, but he's going kind of like oh, he, he's discounted a lot from where he was yeah. like finished last year. So you can't say him. Higgins, we kind of went through that. Like at first glance, maybe you think, Okay, he's going high, but then you look at who's drafted after and him. We only so, yeah. bagged okay. we only bagged on him, but Samaje Piran for where he's going as sort of a true handcuff is probably cheap too. I mean, I want to bag on him and say he's the best, but he's even he's probably too cheap. I don't even know where he's going because I did not write him down. Seventy, uh, he, be seventy. Okay, yeah, as like a, a true handcuff. I'm trying to get you to say one good thing about Samaje Piran, but yeah, I don't think. And I, we're going to the Baltimore Ravens. All right, well. <laughs> Not going to get me. Uh, Let's talk about Lamar Jackson. He's the quarterback four in ADP. And the thing that kind of worries, well, yeah, I guess you could say the thing. I think there's probably more than one. But the major thing that worries me is that they still have not fortified this receiving core, uh, given the loss of Hollywood Brown. And Jackson, 8.2 yards per attempt to Brown, 7.7 to everyone else. Uh, 7.8% touchdown rate to Brown, 6.7% to everyone else uh, in the three years that he's had Brown. So there's a little bit of, or there's a pretty good drop off there. I mean, half a yard is, is big in terms of yards per attempt. Um, but more importantly, they didn't really replace him with any, like yeah. Rashad Bateman. Yeah. He bumps up one, but you know, he's unproven. And then Prochet, Tylen Wallace and, and Devin Duvernay, uh, that this could be, you know, right there with the Falcons. And that's like the worst receiving core in the league. So, I mean, QB4, given all that, like, is this, is that still a QB4 or is, are you worried? Oh, I'm definitely worried, but his, his rushing upside is so massive that he he has a really high floor. So I think QB4 is about right, but you know, we just can't uh, dream of the days of the 2019 Lamar Jackson, where he's just, you know, borderline illegal for fantasy football. So uh, you know, I'm probably not drafting him in this range. And, I, you know, I, I think there's a chance they might bring in like a Julio Jones or Will Fuller type, you know, get them for what, four games. Uh, they, they have to bring in somebody because, like you said, the depth chart behind Rashad Bateman is really bad. I mean, it reminds me of the Patriots a couple of years ago. Um, so they're going to have to do something. But just having Bateman and Andrews, um, you know, he should be able to hit high end QB1 production uh, just based on his rushing ability. So I, I think his ceiling is certainly capped, but. His, his rushing upside is too good to really ignore, but he, he's being drafted about where he should be. Uh, but again, I, I'm going to say it again, rather have Jalen Hurts a bit later on who has the Lamar Jackson 2019 kind of upside. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would say forget QB4, just like where QB4 goes overall yeah, is true. like 48th. Like that's end of round four to 12-team league. Like I, I think that's too high. I just think there are too many question marks. Number one is the receiving core. Two is like, even if, you know, even if you bring in a free agent, like 
they're how long are they going to have to work with Brown uh, with with Lamar? You know, That's given that true. they're still not one here. Then I don't know. Did you get a chance to to see those um, comments by Willie Sneed at all about why people don't want to go there? No. So he was, you know, he was he was on that 2019 team, mm-hmm. where, and uh, he was kind of talking about why receivers really don't want to go to to Baltimore and why Hollywood wanted out. And he was saying like, you know, the passing game is, you know, Roman really, it's not creative. It's uh-huh. the wide receivers aren't stressed. And it's just kind of built around a running game and the tight ends and heavy personnel. And, and then on top of that, that's what Sneed said. And then, so I'm, and then, and then, so add that to the fact that what I noticed last year was that defenses started to really figure them out. And it wasn't, mm-hmm. It wasn't multiple, which is something Steve kind of said is like, it's not multiple. It's not like they're not game planning week to week for, for different defenses. It's just kind of, we're going to do what we're going to do. Sometimes it works, but like it just, it stopped working as well. And look at Jack, like Jackson, that 2019 season, he had a 9% touchdown rate. Then yeah. 2020 it went to 6.9, which is still very good. And then last year it went to 4.2%. So it's like his, his, uh, you know, his touchdown rate is going down. His adjusted yards per attempt, 2019, 8.9, 2020, 7.6, 2021, 6.9. <laughs> like defenses have just been figuring Romans, this offense out, not just last year, but four years now. Like it's just been like a slow burn and we haven't really noticed it because <laughs> he's still running and, and putting yeah. up highlights, but it, he, it's like the signs are there for you not to blow like a fourth round pick on Lamar Jackson. Yeah. And they're, they're going to be really right. Or they're going to go back to the extreme run heavy roots. Cause they're getting both running backs, uh, you know, hopefully by week one, yeah, that's, they we drafted talk about that, but. two tight ends <laughs> in round four. Uh, and oh, I, I just want to put this out there, but remember at the end of last season, like my model was um, upgrading the pass catchers whenever Tyler Huntley was mm-hmm, starting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was interesting. Um, so yeah, maybe the system, maybe Lamar is kind of benefiting from the system that isn't great anyway. Uh, but Tyler Huntley uh, really boosted Mark Andrews, Marquise Brown to a certain extent, and definitely um, Rashad Bateman's uh, projections of my model last year. So it's just worth noting. I, I don't think you know Huntley is going to replace Jackson, but it just goes to show. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you, especially when it comes to draft strategy. Uh, I, I typically avoid sort of the QB4 anyway, but Lamar Jackson, there, there's enough question marks and concerns where uh, I'm probably not going to be targeting him at all. Yeah, like, I mean, and again, I know we were looking for running quarterbacks, but like mm-hmm. Kyler Murray's, well, Kyler Murray's going like almost 10 picks later, but Justin Herbert is kind of, is a QB three. Like I would much rather have Justin Herbert at this point than Lamar. I mean, I, Herbert's just scratching a surface and yeah. I just, I just can't, we just can't guarantee Lamar's passing efficiency. I mean, there's a point where like, yeah, running is great, but like every, if every year his passing efficiency keeps dropping and it looks like it's going to drop again, given the receiving core. Yep. Yeah, it's just too high. So Bateman, mm-hmm. you know, I was just watching his tape, kind of rewatching all his his plays from last year because I'm I feel like I don't have a feel for Rashad Bateman, if that makes sense. Like I know, like I like it from the perspective of okay, he's going as wide receiver forty one, and he is going to be the number one receiver. But really, it, Mark Andrews is the number one receiver. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a low volume offense. Real. His target per route run was 15.9% for the season last year, but it did bump to 20.2% over the last five weeks. That's great for a rookie to show that improvement, but most of that was with Tyler Huntley. 
So it's like, I don't. <laughs> and then it's like, when yeah. you watch the film, it's like he had some, some nice nifty routes and, and yards after the catch, but it, nothing was really amazing. He scored one touchdown. I think it was like, I don't know. Like, what is your feel for, for Bateman? Cause I feel like I don't have a good, good grasp on. Yeah. I, I feel the same way, but we, we do have to remember that he missed what was the first five games last yeah. year. He uh, pulled his growing. I want to say like, like early August. So I think that really contributed to his slower start, even when he returned. Uh, but at the end of the season, he didn't show, you know, flashes of, I think his upside, he could be, you know, a target hog. He's going to have to be, I mean, look at the depth chart behind him. So um, I think when it comes to Bateman, uh, we're just kind of banking on that volume. And I think he is good enough. And certainly he's good enough to have a year or two leap uh, where I think, especially where he's going, uh, which is around wide receiver 41. Even if they do bring in a Julio Jones or Will Fuller or T.Y. Hilton, I, I don't even know who's out there where I would really downgrade him that much. Um, I still like him at wide receiver 41 right now. I'm projecting him uh, wide receiver 33. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he probably doesn't have, you know, wide receiver one upside, but certainly he has wide receiver two upside um, if he and Lamar click. Uh, but like you said, the, the real alpha in this passing game is Mark Andrews and Bateman's number two. Uh, but there just, there, there isn't anybody really behind him that I, I have stealing targets from him. Yeah. That's the thing. He's just, oh. it's like, it's not like, I'm like, oh my God, this guy is like amazing. Like he's going to blow right. up now with opportunity, <laughs> but it's also just like, okay, there's no one else. But I think for me, it's just like, I'm expecting just a ridiculous season from Mark Andrews. I, I just think, <laughs> yeah. I just think, I just think Mark, like I think Mark Andrews and, and like Travis Kelsey obviously is in the same, like, I think they're really neck and neck. Andrews actually outscored him points per game last year. Um, yeah. But like, I, I think like they could be, if you drafted Andrews over Kelsey, I wouldn't blame you one bit. Like, I, I just think he's going to have a ridiculous season. Oh, yeah. No, I wouldn't blame you at all. But I, I think um, looking at overall ADP, I think you get Andrews about 10 slots later. Yep. Uh, and yeah. Like you said, I have literally tied. I have the, the exact same projected points projection for me. So, yeah, getting Andrews 10 picks later, uh, considering his just like you said, he just has massive, massive upside heading into the season. So yeah, I love the idea of getting him 10 picks later uh, than Kelsey. Yeah. And like, it, it, it makes sense, I guess, from the standpoint of both of them are going to just be ridiculously like targeted, but I guess Kelsey, just because the pass attempts are going to be so much greater in Kansas city. And obviously the quarterback yeah. is greater. That's that does give him the nod, but like we've seen Andrews on a per like route basis like put up such ridiculous numbers. Like yep. he's been targeted like at over 30%, you know, per, per route. you like, it's. And it's not nuts. getting routes. Like it, that was what, yeah. before he was, you know, getting 80% of routes. So, and, and he, he has just massive touch on upside. So does Kelsey obviously, but I think Andrews is like, especially at this point in their career, Andrews is like entering his prime right now. Uh, whereas Kelsey, you, you've mentioned it on the past couple pods. I think they're just tight ends. They don't really fall off a cliff like mm-hmm. other positions, but Kelsey is turning 33. So you, you have to sort of factor in some decline, whereas, you know, Andrews is like smack dab in the middle of his prime right now. Yeah, this is, yeah, this is, this is, this is the blow up season for Andrews. Uh, I don't think we really have to talk about any of the other pass catches. It's going to be <laughs> some combination of Prochet. Duvernay and, and Wallace. Oh, what a but, disaster though. Yeah, there's no, there's no, there's not even like a KJ Osborne, I don't think, that we can like kind of no. hype. At least not now. I think if it was, it, it would be Prochet. I think he's the guy that's kind of making a noise at camp. He's the guy that will, will probably be that number three. Duvernay, we've already seen him kind of be the starter and not do anything. So it's like Prochet's at least the guy that like 
we ha- we can't rule them out yet, but I, I highly doubt that that you know it's anything worthwhile for fantasy. Yeah, no, they they have to sign a veteran. Like, there's no way they can enter the season with these three guys competing for the number two and three slot. No way. Yeah. Uh, let's go to running back J.K. Dobbins, RB twenty. I, I I just think that's too high. I, I you know we and here's the reason. Like, it's not just because he averages barely over a catch a game, and because Gus Edwards, you know, if they're both healthy, they would still split time and be a committee. But, you know, something I didn't even really think about when we've, we've talked about Dobbins a ton is that his ACL injury also involved damage to the LCO, mm. which is like the ligament that runs along the outside of the knee. So like that lengthens his overall recovery time and increases his injury risk going forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to Dr. A uh, who was talking about him in, in the athletics. So like, just co- like if you're putting him and Edwards on equal footing in terms of the recovery, that's not actually true. Like Edwards should be on pace to recover first. And Edwards has never averaged less than 8.3 attempts per game in a season. And like, after both of them got hurt, like I'm, they're not just going to give Dobbins like, you know, like 18, 20 carries a game. I don't think so. Like, right. I, I just think this, this uh, RB 20 rank ADP is a head scratcher. Oh yeah. It's way too high. Um, and they're, they're already talking about, they're going to limit both Dobbins and Edwards you know, in week one or just in the early portion of the season. And I'm just going to use my notes from last year because both players (laughs) tore their ACL before the season even started. And I was saying, yeah, if you want to bet on talent and the lead back in sort of a, you know, split backfield, go for Dobbins, but he's like sort of a frozen pond running back and he's very limited in the passing game. So his upside is capped and it's also capped. Uh, just based on Gus Edwards, always siphoning touches away. So um, I, I said it last year, but I'll say it again this year. Give me Gus Edwards nearly 35 slots later this year. Uh, he's around like RB 53. This time last yeah. year, he was like RB 35. And I was still saying to target him. So I love just taking Edwards uh, way, way later. And you're getting a cheaper version of J.K. Dobbins, essentially. And Edwards is a guy that you don't need at the beginning of the season anyway. So if they're kind of limiting both their carries, who cares? Um, You you would really only need Edwards once the bye week start and you're buying time for Dobbins potentially missing time. Um, So that that makes me just like Edwards even more. But if you look at their splits uh, towards the end of the 2020 season, that was the last time they both played. They were very close in terms of usage. So while we would consider J.K. Dobbins the superior talent. I mean, Edwards is getting similar touches um, and, you know, around the goal line too. So just, I love getting Edwards way, way later. Yeah. And, you know, I think the time to draft Dobbins was, you know, his rookie year, he was going outside the top 30 and finished RB 23. Like now, like we're expecting him to do even better than that. And, you know, like, I I just don't see it coming off that injury and, you know, with a, with a longer recovery timeline. Any, yeah, and then so Mike Davis is here, Tyler Beatty, the rookie. Oh. I guess those guys are – maybe they'll be relevant for a week or two if yeah. if Edwards and Dobbins aren't ready for the season. But uh, nothing much to see there. It's it's The one thing about Baltimore, I will say, it's kind of – we kind of know where the touches are going. It's like Bateman, Andrews, Dobbins, Edwards. So that, that's it. That, that's that. Uh, yes. So sleeper, bust. We got uh, for the sleeper. I, I, I mean, I got to go with Gus Edwards all the way, just based on his ADP um, and Rashad Bateman to a certain extent. We'll have to see if they add a veteran, but I, I still like him at his uh, wide receiver 41 ADP. 
for the bus, it's got to be J.K. Dobbins for just yeah. everything we said. You're just overspending for a guy who's sort of on the top of a two-way committee. And, you know, Lamar Jackson is probably the lead dog <laughs> in terms of the rushing game. But uh, just Dobbins, you're overspending on talent. Yeah. And I don't know, just like a two down back on top of yeah. all that. Like, it's not even like if he if he were healthy, he would be like an 85 percent snap, you know, right. three, four catch a week guy along with the with the carries. So, yeah, it's tough. Let's go to Cleveland. And uh, actually, let, let's go to let's do Cleveland last, because I feel like that's okay. let's go to Pittsburgh. Because Cleveland, we got the most to talk about. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Pittsburgh. Oh Pittsburgh is, you know, they have a little quarterback. Battle. I mean, the B riders seem to think Trubisky is going to start week one. Um, you know, he's been getting all the first team reps. We'll see what happens with Pickett. Apparently, Rudolph has a chance. But uh, is there anything you can, can do with these quarterbacks? I mean, you know, <laughs> well, given that we don't know. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's it's super easy just to shit all over Trubisky. But uh, I've been reading the same reports as you. It looks like he has the inside track yeah. to start week one. Um, and he's in a pretty good spot. I mean, they have a ton of weapons. You know, he has Dante Johnson, Chase Claypool. I love both rookies they drafted. He has Pat Farmuth at tight end. So he has weapons. He has that dual threat ability. I mean, they probably do want to see what he has left in the tank. And I thought he was smart last year to back up Josh Allen. He impressed in preseason. So I wouldn't just completely pass him up. I mean, if you're in like a best ball format and you want to get really frisky, you could target him super late. I think he has the upside to start every game. I mean, it's probably unlikely but there is that potential um so i think if there were one of the quarterbacks to target it'd be him kenny pickett at adp 25 i'm completely off i mean there's no guarantee he's starting by what week five uh but i i did love his draft capital i mean he was the only quarterback drafted in the first round he has some rushing upside i love the landing spot like i said he, they both quarterbacks already have a ton of talent around them uh, but just ADB 25, like, why would you stand up for a guy that we don't know exactly when or if he will start? So I think out of these two, I think Trubisky has some sneaky upside. Just take a couple flyers on him. I wouldn't go crazy or anything, but, um, you know, we, we can't really project either quarterback to start more than eight games. I think the my biggest question is, what do you think the pass run splits will look like for Pittsburgh this year? Because even though they had like the ghost of Ben Roethlisberger, <laughs> the corpse, whatever you want to call it last year, they threw the ball 664 times. That was fourth most in the league. I just can't see them throwing that much, whether it's Trubisky or Pickett. Oh yeah. They're going to be a lot more balanced. I mean, they had the fourth most pass attempts last season, so they're going to be more balanced. Um, we could talk about that when it comes to Najee Harris. I think, um, you know, they're going to lean on him more. They, they keep saying they're going to um, take away some touches from him. I don't see that happening, but yeah, they're going to be a little bit more balanced. So that's, that's going to unfortunately take away from the targets we saw for, you know, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool. So um, yeah, especially with these quarterbacks being dual threat quarterbacks, we're going to see more scrambling that we never saw with big Ben. So yeah, yeah. the overall passing volume is certainly going down. The efficiency might stay the same or even get better. I'm not trying to say big Ben was, uh, good at all but yeah certainly the attempts will go down yeah that's what i that's what i think as well i just if, if trubisky's your starter I, you cannot throw the ball 664 no. <laughs> times like maybe not even 564 um yeah and so deontay johnson that's what i was kind of getting at earlier wide receiver 14 i mean he's a talented guy he's entering his prime 
Uh, so it doesn't, it's not egregious or anything, but I, you know, I don't know. Like I do wonder a little bit, just like what, what it's going to look like with less attempts because he had 169 targets last year. Uh, he only averages 10.9 yards per catch for his career. So he needs volume to truly be that, you know, that wide receiver one uh, or high end wide receiver two. Um, so where do you, where do you, where are you ranking them headed into 2020? Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. He, he needs that volume and unfortunately he won't get it this year. So I think, you know, having Trubisky or Pickett uh, under center definitely caps uh, his floor and ceiling combo. So wide receiver 14, well, last year, I mean, we were ranking him inside the top 10 nearly mm-hmm. every week. Um, we loved him, but this year I'm downgrading him a ton. And wide receiver 14 sitting atop that massive wide receiver two tier I'm talking about where I have almost 15 wide receivers within two points of each other. So I'm not one to be taking guys at the top of that tier. Uh, so I'm probably off him at wide receiver 14. Unfortunately, um, that's probably when you should be targeting, uh, you know, other positions like Kyle Pitts. I know you love Kyle Pitts. He's sitting there. Leonard Fournette guys like that are around when Deontay Johnson's going. So he just doesn't fit my draft strategy. And I have him ranked a bit lower. He's right now. I have him wide receiver 19 in that range. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he's just a tough sell for me based on the decrease in volume that they're going to have this year. So. Um, while I'm a Deontay Johnson fan in terms of talent, just the situation around him uh, definitely lowers his uh, projections this year. Yeah, I think, you know, look at the numbers last year, and I, I just don't, I don't think that's realistic. You know, the, the 169 targets and no. the, you know, 1161 in terms of the yardage. I think a more realistic season for him would be his 2020 season where he had 88 catches for 923 yards and seven touchdowns and finishes the wide receiver. 21. Um, I think that's kind of more in line with what I would expect from, from him this year. I just, I think that last season, that's just, that's probably going to be an, an outlier just because yeah. 169 targets. Exactly. Uh, and then Chase Claypool was at wide receiver 40. Uh, what do you think of that ADP? Uh, I mean, he has, you know, wide receiver to upside in terms of talent, but this, this offense probably isn't going to be conducive for him. And I, I really like, uh, you know, George Pickens, um, I, I think he has similar skills to Claypool. So I think he could eat into his um, snaps and targets more than people realize. Uh, so I'm probably off Claypool. I think Claypool sort of needs the efficiency to increase. And we're probably not going to get that with Trubisky and Pickett. And, you know, Pat Firemuth is probably going to see a boost in usage this year as well. So just based on, you know, the range where Claypool's going, I'd rather take guys that have more clear-cut upside. Uh, than Claypool. Um, I, I'm ranking him right there, right around wide receiver 40, but I just think his upside's capped just based on the QB situation. Yeah, because Johnson is still, and Claypool is going to move around a bit more. I think they're trying him in the slot as well, but Johnson, just his target for route run, like he's going to be that. You expect him to be that alpha dog yeah. um, in that offense. Uh, yeah, what, so you like Pickens. He's going wide receiver 67. Um, any, any value there? You think he's still like a year away? Oh, he's definitely a year away. Uh, I, I just liked him heading into the draft. You know, he second round pick out of Georgia. His last season in college, you know, he didn't get to play much because he was recovering from an ACL tear. So uh, I think he's more of a 2023 kind of pick, but he's worth a, you know, a late round stash because if either Deontay Johnson or Trace Claypool misses time, I mean, he'll probably just slot right into the, the starting lineup. So I think he does have a path to, you know, not hitting like wide receiver three value or something, but having some good games 
uh, this season, but he's more of a guy to keep an eye out for, you know, next season and beyond. I think he has that kind of talent that, uh, you know, especially in dynasty formats. Um, I, I've been targeting him in dynasty, but yeah, this year he's kind of stuck between these two wide receivers, but long-term upside for sure. What do you think about Calvin Austin, the, the third? I know he's like more of a slot guy, but any, any interest in him? Uh, not really. I mean, he's sort of an upgrade of that Ray Ray McLeod role, yeah. right? So, but that's, that's about it. I, I don't think he really has upside in terms of fantasy. Um, yeah. Like he, he's more of just like, a, I guess like a Rondale Moore kind of talent where he might be exciting and good for the, t- the, the real life team, but for fantasy, especially this year, I, I don't really see the path to, to upside there. Pat Fryer, you mentioned him. I really like him this year. He's going at tight end 10. Um, I do think there's a chance he can beat that just because, uh, you know, he was tight end 13 as a rookie and he wasn't even really the true like starter or, or like, you know, they kind of eased him in a little bit. His snap count went up as the year progressed, but I look back, he's one of only five rookie tight ends since the merger in 1970 yep. with 60 or more receptions as a rookie at the tight end position. Now that's like five since 1970. So like it kind of, you know, it has my attention. Like, I don't think it's out of the question that like he could end up developing into the the number two target behind Johnson. If Claypool, you know, maybe they keep using him outside and, you know, it's just tough to kind of get the ball to him sometimes down the field. Like Brian Moose could turn into that number two option pretty quickly. Oh, absolutely. And last, I mean, I love his talent. Last year, I was sounding alarm on him. Uh, on baby Gronk uh, just before Eric Ebron went down. I said, like, if, if Eric Ebron ever misses time, yeah, you better have this guy. And I think he was overlooked last year because Kyle Pitts, obviously generational talent at tight end, but any other draft class, Pat Farmuth would have been the top tight end drafted and more people would have been aware of him and paying attention to him. So he, he has it upside. I think tight end 10 is probably a bit rich, especially just given the quarterback situation. He seems like he's going to be just a little bit touchdown dependent compared to these other guys. Um, so I agree. I, I think he does have the talent to kind of outperform tight end 10, but like out of these tight ends in this range, like who would you rather have Firemuth or Gronk, assuming he returns or like a Zach Ertz, like out of those three, who would you, would you say? Well, obviously Gronk, take? but right. I mean, I, I'm more talking about comparing him because you know, I like Ertz too, but like yeah. Hunter Henry, oh, yeah. every, everyone else, even Dawson Knox, like, I think Fryermuth, you know, out of all those guys, I think he has the best shot of putting up like a TE six or seven season, like maybe like a Dalton Schultz last year. Yeah. Um, you know, that kind yeah. of, that kind of season. Cause I think, I just think he's, he's got skills, like, like his red zone skills and you need touchdowns at tight end. So it's like at least draft the guys that, you know, can score them. It's still going to be kind of up and down year to year. We know touchdowns is from a predictive standpoint, it's tough to, to bank on him. But, you know, he had 20 targets in the red zone last year, which is also pretty nuts for a rookie tight end uh, and yeah. seven touchdowns, you know, so on those on those targets. So, like, he, he can get it done. Like, this is – he's no slouch. So, yeah, obviously, I'm taking Gronk over him. But, like, would I be surprised if he outproduced even Zach Ertz? Not at all. Right, yeah, especially, you know, once DeAndre Hopkins returns. Yeah. Pat Farmouth gives you 17 weeks of upside. Yeah. Uh, Najee Harris got bigger legs than he had last year. So that, that, that photo's going around. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> Just like the, the massive hamstrings and quads and all that. Yep. So um, it is a noticeable difference. They're obviously planning on him taking another, taking another pounding in terms of the, the usage. They said they, they actually want to cut his <laughs> non touch snap. 
So like, they're actually not trying to cut his touches. But they, <laughs> like they're, I, I forget who it was, but there's an article in the athletic about like one of the guys on the one of uh, somebody in Pittsburgh's front office, I believe, or, or coaching staff, like did a whole deep dive on how they could like, not like cut Harris's like non-touch plays and, and still give him his normal touches. So like, they're like, they're into this. Like they really want to, like they they really want to um kind of like leave his touches intact and just kind of cut plays where he's like pass protecting. <laughs> so I I think that's a good sign. Yeah, I was kind of teasing that early on because I mean uh, his 381 touches last season were the most uh, for rookie since Ladainian Tomlinson, which is 20 years ago, which is hard to believe. But um, they, they want to lighten his snaps, but they can't really lighten his workload. Yeah. So for fantasy purposes, we don't really care. That that's a great thing. Uh, but they're going to be more balanced this year. And the, the depth behind Harris is still one of the worst in the league. I mean, Benny Snell, come on. Uh, and Anthony McFarland. So it, it's just like, they're, yeah, they're going to find ways to kind of get them off the field when they're not going to use them. But they still need to give him the ball a shit ton. And yeah, he, those massive legs now, he put on some, you know, weight. I would put on pure muscle. Uh, so he's ready to rock this year. So he's a guy where, um, he's running back five, but he definitely has top three upside, especially if his efficiency increases at all this year. Uh, just when it comes to fantasy football, volume is king, and he's absolutely going to be a volume king this year. So I love getting him at RB5. Are you worried at all um, about, like, I know that there's always those stats kind of going around that a running back gets as many touches as he did, you know, like, oh, I think over, like, the 350 mark or 370, like, they, the next year, pretty much all of them, regressed not just like a little bit but a lot like they they usually miss time um how concerned are you with that because i know that's going to be something that like it's going to cert- that that whole thing is going to circulate as oh yeah that, that's that's <laughs> always the concern i mean let's face it you know football is a savage sport so anytime you have a player getting you know that many carries their chances of getting hurt goes up but with uh harris i'm sort of applying the derrick henry uh rule here he looks the part he looks like he can handle a big workload. So we've joked about it too. Any running back getting uh, these many carries is going to be injury prone. So I'm not going to look into it too much. And his efficiency last year was bad. Let's just face it. So um, I don't think there's going to be any decrease in efficiencies. So I'm not, I'm going to overlook those sort of angles because I think he's, he's really, you know, he's getting his body ready for this. Um, And maybe, maybe in a couple seasons, like, when a rookie has a sort of workload, it's less concerning yeah. than a guy that's, you know, 26 or 27. Um, so I, I'm, I'm still considering age curves when it comes to things like that. So I'm not concerned at all uh, when it comes to Najee Harris about his workload last season. Yeah. And a lot of the running, I mean, it's still a small sample. It's, I think like about a dozen running backs that have right. <laughs> got, gone over that 300 some odd touch mark. And, and, you know, but most of them were not rookies. So that, that, that is a good yeah. point. And I think the interior, another team where the interior line should be better. Uh, they got Mason Cole at center now, James Daniels at, at right guard. So those are two, you know, plus interior linemen that they're now adding to the mix. So like you said, his efficiency should increase. Uh, and then Betty Snell, did you hear Betty Snell? Now he's <laughs> gaining weight. Betty Snell's losing weight, leaning out. Apparently trying to become more of like a, a, a every down back so he can come in and take you know, worthless snaps for, for Najee yeah. Harris. <laughs> Good so, for Benny. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, let's uh, the unfortunate situation where Najee misses time. Um, I mean, is Benny Snell an RB three flex or is he going to be splitting a ton of time with 
Anthony McFarland or other. Uh, it's not going to be with McFarland, I don't think. I mean, I, McFarland seems like more of a gadget guy. I don't know. Yeah, definitely passing down. Right. Right. Yeah, but even then, it's like, is he? I don't think he's a great pass protector. Right. Anthony McFarland just not really hasn't shown anything honestly. So I, I, I mean, they don't I, have anybody else outside of him. So yeah, it, is Benny Snell like an RB two, RB three? Uh, option like handcuff when yes. Harris goes down. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I mean, I, honestly, he's one of those guys. Cause like I said, I think you, you mentioned it too. Like when you could get that free handcuff for a guy <laughs> that you're investing like a first round pick in, it's not the worst idea in the world to, to just take it. So yeah, Benny Snow. I mean, he hasn't been good either in, in his career. So <laughs> that's an I understatement, mean, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he is. I mean, his yards per carry 3.9 to 3.3 to 2.7 last year. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe he's not on the team either. And we and they signed some well, free agents. I mean, he doesn't even have an ADP, but uh, <laughs> he, he's going around like RB 90, I think. Yeah. Uh, in most Somewhere. drafts. So Somewhere in he's got to be the cheapest handcuff, right? Yeah, like if we don't get any word that they've added, like you know they don't they haven't added anyone, and you're drafting in in late August, and and he's the handcuff, and and you draft you spent a first round pick on Harris. Yeah, I think Snell is worth a roster spot at that point. You know, just the insurance. But um, yeah, I, yeah, there's a long way to go because yeah, he hasn't been good. McFarland hasn't been good. I'm I'm actually surprised they didn't add more to that room, just right, given right. how much they rely on on Najee Harris, and they're gonna have to decrease their their pass attempts. So. The yeah. backup is going to be even more important. So, yeah, that's definitely right. a situation to monitor in, in Pittsburgh. Uh, okay. Sleeper. I, I, it's For me, it's Friermuth. I just think, you know, I, tight end is, is pretty ugly, especially outside those top two tiers, um, top five or six guys. So, I think having a guy who's one of five in, in anything, you know, good, it has some, some upside. So, I, that's my sleeper. Uh, what about you? Uh, so, for sleeper, I have written down no one. Um, okay. there's really nobody <laughs> being drafted at value right now. Uh, and I've already said enough nice things about Mitch Trubisky. So I'm going to stop, but I already said, he's probably the only player I have ranked higher than ADP. Uh, but there's, uh, I already said too many nice things about him. I was okay. I would say George Pickens as like a late round flyer, but that's about it. Any, any bust? Uh, yeah, just Deontay Johnson, just where he's going. And we already talked about it. The, the decrease in passing volume is certainly going to hurt him. Um, and he's sitting atop of, you know, a wide receiver two tier. So I think you could just wait a round or two and get comparable to Deontay this season. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, it's not really a knock on Deontay, the player. It's no just, way. yeah, there's a lot of similarly valuable receivers that you could get later, like you said. And and there's some running backs that if they're still there, you know, like Leonard Fournette is like RB 15, James Connor is in like the, in the twenties. Like if those guys are still sitting there at, I'll take them over Deontay any day too. So, uh, all right, let's go to Cleveland now. Cause this one is, man, I don't like Deshaun Watson. Two more, um, cases have been added. So we just really don't know what's going to happen with this legal situation. But I mean, it doesn't seem like he's going to play the full year. If, if anything at this point, it's the only thing I guess that could help him this year is if the Kate, the legal thing just drags on because the NFL usually won't issue the suspension until that's wrapped up. So, I mean, that's like the only thing, but I'm like, what are you, how are you even projecting his games played for this year? Uh, you can't. Right. Um, so this is a situation where it's probably only going to get worse. And clearly the Browns didn't really do their due diligence. Um, I mean, now you have investigative journalists uncovering things. It's only going to get worse. So he's going to face some sort of suspension. 
he's got to. So um, I, I think we're at a situation though where the Browns might be able to avoid his contract, right? Like that might be what happens is the Browns find a way to get out of this. Um, and like you said, there's a chance he gets suspended for the whole season. So it, it's really murky. Uh, I just don't see how this turns out well for anybody. So I'm staying away from him and I'm factoring it. More importantly, we have to kind of project the rest of the players. <laughs> we can't yeah. just say, don't draft Deshaun Watson. We have to project the rest of the players. And that's where the murkiness really comes into play. Um, so we'll get to that when, you know, we're projecting like a Nick Chubb or Murray Cooper that we're really having to figure out, like, can we expect Watson to play all this year? That's kind of where I'm approaching uh, the Browns. Yeah. And it's like, also like if he's suspended to start the year, mm-hmm. like I don't like the pick at QB 13 because I just don't like wasting a roster spot on a quarterback. Especially that high. It's not like he's going QB 25 (laughs) and you can kind of justify it. He's going QB 13. I mean, who else is being drafted right there? It's like Trey Lance. Yeah. um, You know, really, really guys with other players at other positions. (laughs) Well, yeah. You know, like, yeah, seriously, though. It's like QB 13 is not free. You know, it's like it's still you still have to use like a pick. Like, it's not like you just draft him with the last pick of the last round. Like, it's like, yeah, the, 13 is still substantial. The opportunity guy. cost right there is massive. Yeah. So, and obviously he has, you know, really high ceiling. He's a, potentially a top five quarterback if he plays all season, but he's, he's going to face some sort of suspension. So yeah, just, I'm completely off at QB 13. Yeah. I mean, monitor the situation. Cause like, if like the only, like I said, if, if the case drags on, and we probably won't have a way to guarantee that it will. But if we somehow get that news, obviously you want to be able to, to pounce if you're if you if you're in like best ball leagues and stuff like that. But yeah, it's not it's not looking good. No, well, somebody uh, some family got him popcorn, so everything's good in Cleveland. <laughs> uh, it just I got, just bad I, I got I don't popcorn think, watching this. I yeah, <laughs> I don't think I can morally draft Deshaun Watson either. It's one of those things. If if you want to take on the risk, so be it. But that's that's your call when it comes to Watson. Ooh, we you know what we need to do for one what? podcast like the all immoral, all moral too, like the immoral yeah. all stars and fan- I mean because this you know this is some this some messy situations if you look kind of look back at, at some of these yeah guys' histories because um, he's not the only guy you could say that about is what I'm true at. oh yeah no for sure <laughs> <laughs> but uh we're not gonna get into that that part of of it not not right now anyway but we like you said we got to figure out what to do with Amari. And like, I liked Amari when it looked like Deshaun Watson was going to play, but now it's like wide receiver 19. He's kind of been declining. You know, he might even be past his prime a little bit. So uh, he's another guy that fits into that, that, that mold for me anyway, of there's probably someone I can wait another round and and feel better about at at this position at, at wide receiver. Yeah, exactly. Like just the Deshaun Watson situation really impacts my Cooper rank. Um, I had him like wide receiver 12. Yeah. If if Deshaun Watson were to play the entire season, Mari Cooper is a low end wide receiver one. But with, you know, this uncertainty, he's closer to wide receiver 22. And if Jacoby Brissett is their starter this season, which could, I mean, he's probably starting week one, right? Um, I'd probably rank Cooper, what, wide receiver 26? Yeah. Sound about right. I mean, he's still going to see a massive target share, um, especially coming over from Dallas. I mean, he's going to be the alpha dog in this offense. So um, it's hard to really rake him outside of the top 30. But just with the QB situation, he's a really tough sell here. Uh, There's just 
way more upside with wide receivers in this range uh, than Cooper. And like you said, he he probably is sort of um, in his decline phase in his career, to be honest. So, yeah, a lot of reasons not to draft Cooper this high. Um, so the uh, Zach Jackson of the Athletic reports that in three wide receiver sets early in camp, it's Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and Anthony Schwartz. So, yeah, go. Cooper's going to get a lot of targets. <laughs> yeah. He's going to get a lot of targets. I don't, I mean, do you have any interest in Peoples Jones as a sleeper? I, I, I really don't. Um, uh, unless Deshaun is yeah. playing a whole season, maybe he could be that Will Fuller role, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, he ran around over 80% of the time, um, the final seven games of last season, and he was only able to average 5.4 half PPR points. <laughs> Um, so it's not like his, the increase in playing time helped. Um, so he definitely needs Deshaun Watson to be playing um, over a dozen games to even warrant consideration uh, in this range. Just doesn't have the upside. He's running wind sprints out there. Like he's yeah, you know, he's going deep, and he, Watson can get him the ball. I don't think Brissett can. So exactly, he's not going to get a lot of targets. So he needs to be efficient. Um, they, and any any. <laughs> Thoughts on David Bell? I know, you know, I know some people, especially in best ball, you know, anytime a team with not much at receiver drafts the guy on day two, you know, there's going to be some intrigue, but any, any thoughts on him? Well, isn't the, the report of Anthony Schwartz being a starting lineup, a major indictment on Bell, or do you think it's just kind of their pushing the rookie, but. Oh, that's amazing. Anthony, you only have to beat out Anthony Schwartz. That's, oh, that's yeah, great obviously. news if you're a rookie. But he's, I mean, he was. They're never uh, going to give these guys like, they're never going to start these guys right off the bat unless you're like a first round pick just because like you got to earn it. Like it's David Bell. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's David Bell. Like he's not going to start he, the camp as like a top three yeah, guy. But, but he, he was, he was sort of a polarizing prospect. You know, he doesn't have great measurables and yeah. he had issues separating college. And he's competing for the wide receiver three role for a Jacoby Brissett yeah. led offense. So I'm completely out okay. on that. That's, but that's, I agree. Again, if Deshaun Watson, if something happens um, or beyond this season, if things change at quarterback, um, Bell would be interesting. But this year, absolutely not. I mean, anytime you hear like separation issues, I, 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 <laughs> yeah. it's already a red flag for me. Just, this, yeah. you know, this is fantasy football. Like we need guys to get open. Um, David Njoku is the tight end 21. They, they recommitted to him. Uh, how are you feeling about him, him with uh, no Austin Hooper there this year? Yeah, it sucks because we finally get Austin Hooper out of the way. Uh, just love Njoku's upside. I mean, he can just go off any given week. But this is, an, unfortunately, another situation where we need to wait and see uh, with the quarterback situation. If Deshaun Watson were starting all season long, Njoku would be uh, – potentially high-end tight end too. I mean, he'll he'll split some time with um, Harrison Bryant, but, you know, he, he's going to be running around, what, over 70% of the time um, this season, Joku is. Uh, so he's going to have the potential to go off. But again, if Jacoby Brissett is a starting quarterback, you know, that, that makes Joku a low-end tight end to some guy that I'm probably going to pass on. But the, the talent and upside is there, certainly, if Watson starts at all this year. Um, Nick Chubb, RB7, not really. He's so the last three years, RB9, RB7, RB11 in half PPR points per game. So, I mean, is he still going to put up, what is it, five something yards per carry? Is that what we're yeah, expecting? Yeah, I was going to check what you have. I have, so I, I lowered it a bit, 5.2. Um, but 
I, I only have good things to say about Chubb as a runner. I think he's one of the best, if not the best pure runner in the league behind an elite offensive line. But Jonathan Taylor has passed him up, obviously, for that claim to fame. But, you know, he's limited in the receiving game, and Kareem Hunt limits him, just his touch counts. So he has to be insanely efficient to, to put up top 10 numbers. And last season, Kareem Hunt missed, what, 10-plus games? Nine games, I believe it was. Nine yeah. games. So, I mean, that was just, just the perfect storm uh, for Chubb. So, while I love him, obviously I love him, um, I'm out at RB7. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, completely out of RB7. Oh, wow. Because um, Kareem Hunt is always <laughs> my my prototypical, the running back I love to target um, later in the draft. I mean, Kareem Hunt at RB33, he's going to be ranked higher than that weeks where Chubb is healthy. Um, and then when Chubb, if or when Chubb misses time, Kareem Hunt is a potential top five, top 10 running back. And the first five weeks of last season when Chubb was healthy, Kareem Hunt was the RB5 overall. So just I, I kind of plan my draft around targeting Kareem Hunt in the RB33 range. So um, why would I kind of overspend for Nick Chubb at RB7? So uh, I, I just Kareem Hunt is probably the, the one running back I try to get away, get get in every draft. So that's that's sort of my draft plan this year. Yeah, I love Hunt. I think he's way undervalued. Um, I don't mind Chubb. I mean, I think seven's a little high. I would take yeah, Mixon over him. But when you consider that, like, and we've talked about, you know, Javante, like, is he truly going to get like that same workload as some of these other, back, even as much as Chubb? And then, you know, Alvin Kamara has questions. I guess Swift is in a decent spot. Aaron Jones is probably the poor man's Chubb at this point in terms of the efficiency. Um, Antonio Gibson, I think, is overvalued. So this, like, it's just a, it's a high floor play. Like, it's like yeah. if you're sitting there early in the draft and it is kind of important to get running backs early because it does. There is that frozen pond here, but so I like I don't mind it, but I do agree. Hunt is a much better value. Like Chubb, you're really just drafting him for the floor because there's a lot there's a lot of question marks and lower floors uh, among guys going after him. Yeah, and so let's talk about how the quarterback situation might impact them. So let's say Jacoby Brissett is quarterback. They're going to have to run more, right? Um, but they, they probably won't have as many positive game scripts. And I think Chubb, unfortunately, like he, he does rely on positive game scripts. If they're trailing by 10 plus, that's typically when we see more hunt. So um, like how much would you downgrade him say week one, if Jacoby Percet is starting, which I is probably going to be the case. A little bit, but I do think the defense will be pretty good. So like, I, mm-hmm. you know, uh, who, who did Cleveland, who did they start for Mayfield for last year? Who, uh, Case Keenum it? and Nick Mullins. It was Keenum, I think, Both right? Played. Yeah, yeah Case I, Keenum. I don't think it's a like. I think Cleveland is going to be kind of low scoring, run heavy, play good defense type of team anyway. And Baker Mayfield, la- at least last year's version of Baker Mayfield wasn't mm-hmm. great, so I wouldn't downgrade him too much. I mean, if anything, more running and just the how everything's kind of shaking out with them losing Landry. They don't really have any receivers besides Cooper. I think you might see more of Hunt in that like dual role that he was playing before Stefanski mm. got there. Like, you know, sometimes he's a running back. Sometimes he's a slot receiver. So I actually don't mind how the situation is shaping up for Chubb, because I think if Watson doesn't play, it's just a more run heavy offense still has a decent defense. And then if Watson does play the touchdown opportunity, oh, just yeah. go through the roof. So yep. I, again, that's what I was saying. Like, I just think Chubb is like a very high floor, solid play. Maybe it's not sexy. Um, you know, but I, 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 the bust rate, I think, is is lower than the guys right. going after him. 
Um, but yeah, love Chuck. Um, excuse me, love Hunt. You know, he was, you know, points per game, RB22, RB25 in the last two years. He's going as the 31st guy uh at running back. And like you said, I think, you know, he he has that upside. Like, even if Chubb's healthy to be like uh RB1 value for for stretches, even. And and like, so yeah, I, I love Hunt this year. Yeah, and you have Rashad Penny and Michael Carter being drafted right next yeah, to him. I mean, come like, on, are you what? serious? It doesn't add up. Draft Kareem Hunt is, is I guess, the, the moral of the story here. Like, regardless of what happens, Draft Hunt, I think, I think he's the sleeper, obviously, right? And then uh, who, who's, who's the bust? Ooh, uh, yeah, it's got to be Cooper, just because you're, you're inheriting that Deshaun Watson downside, unfortunately. So just at his current ADP, I mean, if it falls, like I said, if it falls closer to wide receiver 25, that's when I'm comfortable taking him. But inside the top 20, it's, just, it's too risky right now. All right, there we go. Got through the AFC North, aka the old AFC Central back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, nah, this is good. Uh, definitely is going to help me with my rankings. And uh, hope you guys enjoyed the pod. If you did, again, be sure to leave a rating and review. We'll choose our favorite five star review uh, and give the winner a free year of Action Pro. So. Be sure to do that. And uh, if you haven't checked out our other episodes, we already have the AFC and NFC West and AFC and NFC South. Uh, We'll be back next week with the NFC North. You can find Sean on Twitter at the underscore odds maker and me at Chris Raybon. You can find us at those same handles in the free award-winning Action Network app. Until next time, get this money.